doesn't really understand value. Because the real question I would ask, if you think Bitcoin is not worth anything, which I think you can all agree that technically it isn't, why do they think that dollars, fiat currency, is worth something? Now, people will immediately go, well, it's based on the gold standard. It's based on this. It's based on that. It's actually not. It's not based on anything. Most Western countries, certainly America and Canada, are deep, deep in debt. So if your country is in debt, then your actual currency has no value at all. So the value of the currency that you have, the actual physical currency, the dollar bill, is not real. It is something that you as a society have agreed on. Now, the upsetting aspect of cryptocurrency is primarily that it's a new form of currency that in a new group of people that have agreed on in a different way than you know as traditional. So when you say that Bitcoin and cryptocurrency have no value, well, that value is agreed upon by the group of people using it, just like the dollar is agreed upon by the group of people using it. Other people, you could take a dollar to another country and they would have no value for that dollar at all because they do not agree on the value of that dollar. You could take it to a society that does not use money. Now, there aren't many left, but you could do that and you would hand them a dollar bill and ask for some of their product and they would say, well, this paper you've given me has no value, so I'm not giving you any product. All value comes from a construct of society and now society, one aspect of it exists on the internet. So that new society is creating a new form of currency. This is one of the reasons I actually am kind of pro Bitcoin. I don't think we should do away with money or yen or dollar bills or any of those things. But I do like the idea of having an internet exclusive currency as well, because that's another way for me to pay for things. And it's a safe, maybe a safer way for me to pay for things on the internet as opposed to using a credit card. Because once someone else gets my credit card information, now it's very easy for them to steal money from me, steal my identity, lots of other things. Cryptocurrency is designed to protect you from that. I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not saying it's never going to happen. People have had lots of stories about them losing their money in other ways. But comparatively speaking, it is much, much safer. And the value of those coins, the value of Bitcoins or Ethereum or Ripple or any of those other things comes from the agreed upon value of those things. And that is all that matters. So there may very well come a day when people agree that fiat currency and the gold standard is not worth anything, that the internet of currency is how things should be valued going into the future. So the world may not wake up and realize that Bitcoin is worth nothing. It may, the internet or the crypto people might move to another coin, but I think in the future, maybe not this generation, but the next generation, one after that, there is going to be some kind of internet coin that is considered the primary currency of the world because it's the one I'm going to be able to spend on the internet across the planet without any hindrance and no risk compared to a credit card or some other currency. But I bet that at that point, fiat currency becomes starts to lose value. And I think this might be the concern because this is the shift from a traditional form of payment to a new form of payment, a new form of currency in general. And of course, older people, people who don't understand it, they're not going to want to accept it. Core question, if I gave you two sticks, could you prove that the earth is round? Since this is a hypothetical, it would actually be easier to do with one really, really big stick. If you have the earth as a globe and you had a stick that was about five, 600 miles long and perfectly straight, 
and you laid it on the earth, if you walked out to one edge, you'd have to bounce it off like a seesaw. So let's say you have two people who are the same size, same weight, and you have them walk off into different directions. You would eventually realize that you would be getting further and further away from the ground. The larger the stick is, the farther away from the ground you would eventually get. As long as it remained balanced and the wood wasn't so soft that gravity pulled it to the ground. But I don't think it would actually take very much, like a couple of miles. And I think you would realize that you are no longer on the ground where you were on the ground before. You could even do it with one person. If one person started in the middle and the big, 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 big stick was balanced on the earth and you walked to one edge, the other edge would start to lift off the ground. And when you got to the end, you would have this big space where the stick is pointing up into space and you're standing on the other end like a seesaw with only one weight on one side. So you don't need two sticks. You just need one massively large stick and you could absolutely prove that the earth is round. If it is round, I mean, since this experiment hasn't been carried out, we don't really know the answer. There is a theory that's been going around the internet about why, primarily from Reddit, about why didn't Ant-Man shrink himself down go up into Thanos' butt and expand and then explode Thanos from the inside out. It's a neat idea. It's actually an idea I kind of wish I'd had. This podcast is all about basically asking questions and the dumb questions and the smart questions and trying to come to answers and things and just think about life and, and the fictions we, we watch. And I was so, so disappointed. I was out with some friends after work and I did not come up with the response that my friend Rachel had which is one of the most Velocipodcast answers or questions to a premise I have ever heard. And I actually felt bad that I hadn't come up with it first. Um, she's, she's just shown that she should be running this podcast and not me. But she said, very offhandedly, do we even know if Thanos has a butthole? This whole theory, the joke part, relies on the scatological humor of going up the butt. But if Thanos, being an alien doesn't have the same system as we do, maybe he doesn't have a butt. So if Ant-Man shrinks himself down and he goes up in there and he just hits a wall of some sort, because we don't know if he has genitalia, we don't know why he's wearing pants, we don't know what's going on under there, so we don't know if he has a butthole as an entry point for the joke to work. Now, there is, of course, you can say, oh, well, uh, Ant-Man can shrink himself down to a, a molecular level and, and go in through his skin and stuff like that. Yeah, that's all true, but then the joke isn't funny anymore because the joke is a butt joke. It's a poop joke. I mean, these, this is the joke. This is why this is supposed to be funny is because he goes up the poop hole, which no superhero, it's not sort of the, the image you would have of something a superhero does. Tommy, who has been on the podcast multiple times, friend of the podcast, friend of mine, fellow lover of rum, which is a great thing to be, he actually pointed out as Ant-Man started to expand, I don't know if there's an upper limit to how slowly or quickly Ant-Man can expand. It would have to be fairly quick for him to actually make him explode the way they, they've talked about it. But you could even expand slowly and still like ruin him from the inside out. He actually mentioned that because it was in the butt area, there is a sort of a clench ability that Thanos would have. Thanos would have the ability to clench his buttocks or do a Kegel or one of these things. And as Ant-Man got big but not too big, Thanos could actually just squeeze his butt together and crush him. Because we are talking about a man, an alien, so I'm going to say man because we all kind of think he's a guy, 
a man who was able to not only take a beating from the Hulk for a few seconds, but then immediately turn it around and beat the Hulk down and enjoy it. So this is a guy with unprecedented physical power. So the Kegel this guy could pull off would easily crush Ant-Man because he is still basically human vulnerability. So he can be crushed even though he's very small. And as a very small individual up Thanos' butt, it actually might even be easier to do in that sort of in-between state. Now I, of course, now feeling left out because I hadn't gotten any of the good answers, thought, well, what could he do that would be as insulting as the joke, but maybe not actually come to the resolution of we've beat Thanos altogether. We, we do see that Thanos has ears. So Ant-Man could fly into the head of Thanos and poop on his brain. Now you might say, well, that doesn't seem to do anything. Well, and it doesn't. But when you come out and you go, hey, Thanos, I just pooped on your brain. So it doesn't matter what Thanos does after that. Any action he partakes in after that he is always still beaten down by the fact that someone else has gone in his head and pooped on his brain. He'll never escape that. Very, very early in the podcast, I told the story of a judo guy who pooped himself at a tournament. And it didn't matter from that point on how good he was. He could have been the best judo player in the world after that, but he was always going to be the guy who pooped himself at a tournament. And Thanos, in this situation, would therefore forever be the guy who had someone poop on his brain. I have an Irish background. I was born in Belfast a long, long time ago. And something that Irish mothers do for their sons is they make them big white Irish sweaters. It's kind of a tradition. My mother made me one. I was very happy with it. I wore it a lot. It was a great sweater. I learned something interesting, though, because these are Irish sort of fisherman sweaters. And each sweater is supposed to be knitted by hand with an error purposely put into it. And the error would then be a unique identifier of that sweater. And you might say, wow, if someone steals your sweater, you could find that small error and then point out that it's your sweater and then get your sweater back. That's not actually what it was for because these were fishermen. So what would happen is fishermen sometimes fell overboard. And when you fell overboard, you were covered, most of your body was covered except for your face. So fish would start eating your skin and the skin they would eat first was your face and your eyes, which meant every now and then a body would wash up and it was, and it had no face, but it did have an Irish sweater on. So to be able to identify the body, it was a really good idea to have something in the clothing that didn't get eaten by fish that you could then identify them with. And this is where this tradition came from. And that is a pretty dark story for a nice thing for moms to do for their kids. Other things I have learned about sailors, we know traditionally that they wore gold earrings. And so you see pirates and they have gold earrings. This was a sailor's tradition. They actually, when you cross the equator, I believe is when you get your ears pierced. That is also a tradition. But the reason they wore gold earrings was so that there was some gold on their body to pay for their funeral should they fall overboard and their body gets found again. So if they got found again, hopefully their ear was still intact enough that they still had the earring in. And if they did, whoever found the body was supposed to use that earring to pawn so that they would have money to pay for the funeral for that person. Which weirdly leads me to pimps. So pimps are famous for wearing gold chains, not just Mr. T. This actually was a pimp thing. And pimps wore gold chains, surprisingly, for a very similar reason. If you had cash money 
and you got arrested, quite often that money was confiscated and it was not returned to you. But jewelry was. So if you wore lots of gold, gold chains specifically, when you got out of prison, those chains would be given back to you, but then you actually had some liquid assets because you could go to a pawn shop or you could go to a gold shop and you could actually sell your gold chains for cash money and you would be liquid almost immediately. So if for some reason the government had seized all the cash you had, you still had the cash you were wearing so that when you got out of prison, you had more money. These are all very fashionable things that were done for practical reasons. And they're all very dark, so I'm trying to see if there's any others. If you have any other stories you've heard that are similar, where something that is a fashion but actually has a very practical reason for it to exist, I would be very interested in hearing it. You can send that to velocipodcast at gmail.com, or you can send a tweet at Velocipeter. Hey, sexy friend. He's making me his bitch. Thank you for listening. If you have questions or comments, you can tweet at VelociPeter or email VelociPodcast at gmail.com. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast or go to VelociPeter.com slash podcast. Uh, uh, slightly be... It's fucking horrible.